This is Doing Good Through Food. I'm Alex Coffin, and my guest on the show today is Tim Baker. Tim is the head teacher of Charlton Manor Primary School in Greenwich, which is a school that places particular emphasis on incorporating food and cooking into the wider curriculum, and it's regarded internationally as exemplary for its approach to food. As well as his role as head teacher, Tim's one of the 20 individuals who make up the London Food Board, which advises the Mayor of London and the GLA on food matters affecting Londoners. Uh, and Tim is also a member of the School Food Plan Alliance and co-founder and chair of Roots for Life, a charity focused on food education. Uh, he's somebody who cares deeply about education and strongly believes that food has an important role to play in the education and development of children. So I can't wait to discuss that and, and to hear how it really works here at Charlton Manor School. Tim, welcome to Doing Good Through Food. Thank you very much. I was doing some research yeah. Obviously, sort of ahead of all of this, and uh, I was struck by your school motto, which is "res non verba." Yes, absolutely. Uh, deeds not words. Yeah, exactly. Which sort of, you know, it's it's an attitude, as I understand it, a kind of uh, a clear approach to life at the school. And I suppose I was wondering, how does that translate into, or does it inform the way that you approach food? It certainly does. I think deeds not words really sums us up, and that's why yeah. we're so, um, I guess, protective of that of that motto because it's something that really sums us all up we want to make sure that we're doing the best for the children not just discussing it and i think um particularly now um we know about the obesity crisis we know how 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 poor the children's health is in in society today mm. um and it's not just a a, a uk problem it's worldwide um, and we at charlton manor want to do something about it um so not sit and talk about it get out and do things um some things will work, some things won't, but we won't know until we try them. Mm. Um, and we find that our approach has really, really worked um, <clears throat> with the children. Um, mm. They find it exciting. Uh, they find it motivating. Um, it supports their um, attainment um, and their learning in, in the class through concentration mm -hmm. um, and also through participation. It's, it's, it's so much inclusive as well. So maybe we could just sort of jump straight in and ask about that food, perhaps on the kind of the the growing and the cooking side of it, perhaps sort of separate from the teaching through food, if those things can be separated. I'm, I'm not sure. But let's um, you you take students on here from reception all the way through. So, you know, from they might be just four years old when they join here. Do you get them involved for three nursery? You've got yeah. nursery as well. Yeah. Okay, so from three years old, do yeah. you? I mean, the question is, the question is the same. Do you do you get them involved with food straight from, away? Straight away, from absolutely. The outset? Straight away. I mean, you saw the uh, teaching kitchen that we yeah. got there, and those the the surfaces have been lowered, especially so that the children can access those. But as you can imagine, in nursery, they'd be even smaller than that. And actually, mm. the chef puts tables in there so that the children in nursery can go and access and start cutting up food, um, start mixing food, start connecting with food um, mm. because I mean that's, that's what it's about for Charlton Manor it's about getting children to connect with food um, in a way that we used to um, uh, you know, as a society and we haven't for years um, mm. it's getting children to understand that food is an incredibly important part of life of development and of growing um, and so we want to make sure that they have a positive experience um, at Charlton Manor mm. So when when they kind of first get into the into the teaching kitchens, which which are fantastic. We did we had a look around before, but this so it's an amazing facility. When they when they get in there, what what does it look like? What are they what are they doing 
Straight off. Well, firstly, the straight off, they'll be taught to wash their hands um, because one of the things, obviously, they're going to be taught is food hygiene mm. um, and they'll go in and they'll wash their hands and that's constantly through every lesson. So you'll go to a year two child and they won't be told. They'll just go in and straight away do it. They'll know exactly what the routines are and, and routines can only be uh, routines if you routinely do them and the children are doing that all the time and by year two, they're routines um, and... After that, they then go into the around the surfaces where they're going to be working. It might be a demonstration from the chef. It might be a demonstration from the teacher, uh, depending on who is who's doing the focus of that lesson. Um, but then he'll demonstrate to the class or demonstrate to a group, and then they'll go off in their groups and complete the task. And that can be anything from mm. cutting, um, from cracking eggs, <coughs> uh, from mixing, mm-hmm. weighing, um, all those sorts of things. Yeah. And how does it? How does it move on as they go through the school? So with the sort of practical side of it, what, what sort of skills are they, where, where do they get to? Well, they get to, by year six, they're preparing whole meals. They're mm. understanding the nutritional content of meals. They're understanding what that nutrition or the, what is the main part of the body that that nutrition from that food would have an effect on, on why it's important and they can then look, they'll look at certain meals and foods that will address those issues. So, for example, sports people, what are mm. they doing? Why are they eating um, the, the foods that they choose? Um, and they're also looking at food labelling. So, again, getting them to understand food labelling. Um, so they're looking at those things where, you know, it might be a full packet of crisps, but the food labels is only for 20 grams of crisps or whatever, you know, and it's a, it's a sort of hun- uh, 80 Kilogram, an 80 gram bag and and the, and the food labelling might be only for 20 grams it's about pointing out to the fact that you know those food labels have got to be understood and checked and where to look and what to look for I suppose it's, it's a massive question and it's kind of the whole purpose of this interview but what what do children get from learning to cook why do you believe it's important that they should learn uh, well, firstly, because I think it's so inclusive. I think when you go into a, a kitchen, um, it caters for all the different learning um, that, that children could ever want, really. It, it touches smells. It touches um, tastes, sight, sounds. You've got and, and touch. Everything is there that you would, would you want to be stimulated by, every, every sense. So if you're looking at... Uh, Increasing vocabulary for children, they start to understand um, what a vocab- what that vocabulary is trying to, to get to. If mm. if you have a certain taste, for example, um, you can then discover new words to describe that taste or that smell. It's it's uh, maths. Well, maths is is abundance. Uh, you know, ratio, proportion, uh, fractions. Um, Shape, space, measures, uh, capacity, volume, all of these sorts of things um, are so important within cooking. Um, but bringing the children a real understanding of those things. Just to give you a story, actually, there was a child who would be described as um, a less able child. And actually, you know, when they when they look at a picture of a jug with water in, they can't make the connection between that and the real article. But... They went into the kitchen and they were in a group. Mm. And within that group, there was also children who would be regarded as the high ability in that group. And the teaching assistant at the time filled the jug up to 300 millilitres and said, how much liquid is in that jug? And straight away, the child who would be regarded as the bottom of the group 
said 300 millilitres. And then the ones who were the higher ability went, yeah. And it was a, only a split second afterwards that they, they would have got mm. it, but he had got it that quickly, um, which really brought home to me the barriers <laughs> there when you try and take shortcuts with learning and do pictures on paper or pictures on boards. Mm. Um, there is just that one child in a class that may not be able to translate that into the practical example that you're actually trying to give through a picture. Mm. But that one child in one class is 12 children in a school of 12 classes is 120 children in 10 schools, 1,200 children in 100 schools. That's a lot of children who we're failing just because we aren't taking them to a place where we actually give them the real um, experience of learning. Yeah, we, we were talking a bit off mic before before we sort of yeah. came on here and is I mean we were, we were talking a little bit around that and it was it was fascinating you know the, you were sort of talking about how early that stuff starts you know sort of really from babies babies yeah. in arms sort of thing you know where the, the children who get an awful lot of stimulus and involvement and sort of attention and focus so it, <clears throat> sort of trained to use the yeah trained to use their ears and their eyes and sort of interpret the world in that way <clears throat> and understand it but others aren't and you know quite often need to move a lot more to yeah to sort of understand the world and that it's it sounded like it's sort of a way of food you find a way of reaching those children particularly you know absolutely. and that's yeah fantastic absolutely and yeah. which are, which are the children that um as a government uh, the government are trying to 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 support more if you pupil premium uh, through funding they're they're looking at those sorts of children those mm -hmm. ones who may not have got the input and the stimulus at a young age as a baby in arms um, and actually have to make up for that later on in life um, it's those children who we are really catering for and addressing the needs of however it includes all of the other children because they have a balance approach to all of the learning styles. Yeah, so, so it's, it's not it can, pulling it's, them back. No, it's absolutely. Kind of, it's bringing everyone it, it's, up. it's not one or the other. It's mm. everybody together. Um, whereas I think if you've just sit in a class, and, and again, that, that example I give with a jug as a picture on the, on the board, or even a garden that you're describing in a small square in a book as being seven metres by eight metres, mm. they are things that can um, really put a barrier up to those sorts of children who don't have... Um, that ability in order to translate that. And again, it's about making sure that we reach all children. And so we need to make sure that we do something that's inclusive and cooking um, enables that. When when children join you, what kind of, is there a typical level of sort of awareness of food that you find? Does it, is it as varied as there, you know, as varies as many, as much as there are children, you know, there are as many different sort of things or do you, is there a sort of typical level of understanding of food or a lack of understanding of food. I mean, when they when children arrive here, what what do they tend to know about food? Um, some children, as you say, it's very varied. Some children know a lot about food. Um, in fact, we've got uh, a child here whose parent owns a restaurant, so you know they they've got a quite a good understanding of food um, and understand the different flavours. Uh, right down to children who's where food, and again, this is a lot of uh, this could be a, a, a fair proportion of children where food is just something that is a function that needs to occur at some time during the day. So it can be into a shop and buy something quick and eat it as I'm walking along or eat it as I sit at the computer. Um, so that actually it, it's, uh, 
it's, there's no understanding of what the food is providing, uh, what it's doing for the child, um, how it's impacting on that child. It's just something I've got to do. And so I'll eat it now to fill me up. And then that's me done for the, another few hours. Um, and again, obviously, that's that's that, that's quite scary. And that's why we need to put people in touch with food again, children in particular. Does it, if someone is really, you know, if they're young and they're kind of, they've already become that removed from food or, you know, sort of seafood is just a function or, or however it is exactly they see it. But I mean, is, is it a hard thing to do to reconnect them? You know, because you, to sort of fill in a bit for people listening, this, you know, it's an amazing school. You've got this sort of garden facilities. You've got the, the teaching teaching kitchen and you know and food is central to everything which is you know obviously we're gonna we're gonna kind of talk a bit about but i mean do you do they just respond to that do you hugely uh, yeah hugely i mean the ones that respond the best i guess are the ones where the parents engage as well um i think there there are parents that come along and think well absolutely yes i I agree food is important and suddenly you get the whole family that that improve um their connection with food um and that happens in the most case um occasionally you'll get parents which don't have that connection with food and don't care um and it's harder to get the child connected with food but because of the approach that we've taken so that all the children here are exposed to it so often and all have a a, a great um enjoyment through food it starts to rub off on on those children who perhaps aren't um haven't got that support from home Mm. Maybe uh, maybe we could sort of talk a bit about just just how embedded it is here. I mean, we you know you've you've shown me around here, and we, we've kind of talked a bit about how how it works. But I mean, for I can imagine people listening would sort of think, well, I can understand you know cooking lessons. You know, mm. sort of they'll they'll come in and they'll learn knife skills. You'll you'll learn a few recipes. You'll learn this and that. But that's not what you're doing here, is it? You're no, we're we're teaching the curriculum uh, through food. So it may be an English lesson. Um, and so it might be an English lesson about following instructions um, where you are just giving a set of instructions or the children have to write a set of instructions um, to prepare or cook a meal. It might be something around a story around a meal. So, for example, we did um, uh, revolting recipes, Roald Dahl's revolting recipes. And uh, so what the children did was on three different days cooked revolting recipes that led to a whole story and they lived the story Um, because obviously it's much easier to write about something if you are actually part of it. Mm. Um, And so, for example, when I'll explain what I mean by that is that, um, so for me, they cooked a chicken pie. Sounds nice. It was was absolutely, yeah, yeah, it it was. And it had uh, the chicken legs in it as well. (laughs) And it was brought to me and the children um, said, here, Mr. Baker, there's chicken pie for you. So I started eating the chicken pie and then I started clucking in front of the children. Um, And the children started looking at each other, sniggering, and then they went and the teacher said, well, we better go let Mr. Baker alone because he doesn't seem very well. And then later on that day, they were called back to my office. And when they came back, uh, they were greeted with a chicken sitting on my chair, <laughs> wearing my tie, and I was hiding in the staff room. And the children, and this is a year three class, were completely convinced that it was me. So much so that one child leaned forward to the chicken and said, Mr. Baker? 
Um, it, it was, it was that they were that convinced. Um, and in the end, the teacher said, "Let's let's go quick." We, 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 I don't know what's happened to Mr. Baker. That afternoon, later on, I went back into the class just to say, "Did someone come down and want to speak to me?" I was wasn't feeling too good, and I had feathers <laughs> coming out of my sleeves. And they saw that, and I dropped a couple as I went went from the class. That was one recipe they cooked. They then cooked another one um, using worms, but it was obviously spaghetti. But they got the deputy head to eat that. They then found her in the compost heap. And they also fed to the IT technician some, uh, I, I think it might have been tapioca, I'm not sure, but it was it looked like frog spawn. Mm. And later on, they saw him laying in the pond. Um, and this is committed teaching. It staff. was very committed <laughs> yes, teaching, yeah. very committed staff, <laughs> unbelievable. And uh, it, it was um, it was brilliant. And yeah. uh, the amount of writing that came out, particularly from the boys, because really? they'd lived the story. Um, so they were able to write about how they actually felt when, you know, when they entered the, the entered the, my office, for example, and saw a chicken there, you know, whoa, you know, it was, they were able to discuss how they felt in their stomachs, how they felt in their minds, what, what, what it was doing to them and the whole happening. And then when they saw the deputy in the compost heap and all these sorts of things, they were just blown away by. Um, is it particularly boys? Why is that? For that, yeah, I, I mean, for that, for that it was because boys were reluctant writers. There was a couple of boys right. in the class who weren't writing very much at all. And when it came to the story time, they were writing very few lines. Um, but when it, when it came to having lived this, they did right. about a page and a half. It was incredible Amazing. because they had experienced the whole lot and they were able to bring out new vocabulary, which they hadn't used as well. Amazing. And, it, and that, that sort of approach carries on. I mean, those were sort of... Oh, that, yeah, that's, that's a particular just, example, That's just a, a couple I mean, of highlights. Yeah, absolutely. So how, when it's... Um, I think some of the things you said to me were, were sort of, I suppose, as a bit of a surprise. I was going to say, you know, I, I can understand how maths might come maths, into yeah. it. Exactly. You've got kind of weights and measures and proportions and what yeah. have you. That, that sort of makes sense. But you said, you know... And, all subjects, yeah, history are, are taken so, into the yeah history. Kitchen. We do foraging and World War Two um, geography. We do you know, food from around the world um, and where it comes from. But they also make um, various various things as well. So projects where they'll do a map, but they'll do it out of food. So again, it's a map, and we know it's about geography. We know it's out of food, but at the time where they're preparing it, they're still having to use the cutting techniques and make sure they wash their hands and. Something like that, you know. So they're still using those food techniques mm. um, or developing their cooking skills as they go through. And you, and you, and mummifying the fish as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, that was yeah. a part of an Egyptian project. So they had a fish which they gutted and took out all the insides and so on, and then mummified it in the way that uh, Egyptian um, people would have been mummified. Yeah. Um, but again, what they were learning was a cooking skill about being able to gut fish. But what they were learning was about what process the human body went through when it was being mummified in, in, during the Egyptian times. I bet that, that kind of <clears throat> that kind of learning, that, that, that will stay as well. I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure those, those boys that found you as a chicken, are yeah. going, they're going to remember that. Exactly, absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. You said something really interesting before, again, off mic, but we, you were talking about um, things like knife skills, kitchen skills and what have you being uh, sort of like a foundational skill like writing mm. is the way that you yeah. sort of approach it, you know, rather than a skill that's taught for two weeks or for, you know, for a period and then that's that. Absolutely, yeah. It's something that is used again and again. And I just want it, it's, um, I just, uh, yeah, I just wanted to sort of ask, is, is that... Um, is that standard? Is is that something you've just sort of realised was was important to do? Was it well, I think for me, knives, um, and I think one of the big concerning thing is knife crime amongst teenagers. And when when I think about when 
children would come across knives in a in a time when everyone shies away from children being open to injury. Now, obviously, if children are handling a knife, there is an opportunity for them to cut themselves. But the problem is, is that if we don't allow them to hold knives, they, be, they remain a mystery up until what age? When is it right for a child to hold a knife? And if we don't let them hold it until their teenage years, or if we don't let them, when, well, while we've got control of them as a parent, we don't let them hold a knife and we don't let them near a knife. And yet when they're teenagers, then what happens then? They can go out with a knife and not understand its real potential and its real danger and its real um, ability to harm and to kill. And I think the sooner we can get that happening within schools, we don't teach the children that here's a knife, go off and be loose with it. We say, this is a knife. It's dangerous. It's sharp. And by them using it continually, and when I say continually, I mean it might be once every couple of weeks or whatever, but over their school life, they are able to understand that this is a very sharp object. It is very dangerous. And the adults around them are treating it or treating the knife with respect and with a certain level of of care mm. and it, it, that can rub off on the children now there's two reasons for that because i want the children to understand at a young age that knives need to be respected and not to be just waved around that's that's one reason the second reason is that we don't know the type of chaotic home life that some of these children go home to mm. and we can protect them from knives all we want at school and not let them near a knife but when they go home there may be knives laying around the home. Mm. And what we want to do is to be able to show them how to behave around knives because it may be something they're exposed to in their home life. I think by doing that, it also helps them to maybe respect um, knives going forward and, and becoming teenage years. And I think the other thing to do is, is the, and the other um, thing we do is we showed, you know, obviously a chicken uh, we showed a whole chicken without feathers um, being filleted. And again, I think part of that was to show ch children what death is. Mm. Um, because if I think about when children are taught about death being final, I don't think we ever do that. And, you know, if they lose somebody close to them in the family, we protect them from it and we say, oh, they've gone to a better place or they're not here anymore, but they're somewhere else. And, and I think having a chicken or an animal uh, where you can see the whole body and you can say, well, the chicken is dead and then you can fillet it, but then say to them, look, that chicken gave its life so that we can live. It helps to give respects to life more. Because if I think about when children learn about death as being final, they don't. Um, because I say we teach them that they've gone to a better place or whatever, but we also let them play computer games, which show that death is just something they can come back. Restart. Restart. And, yeah. Restart. So we really don't teach children about death and that life needs to be respected because it's, it's quite fragile. So knives and animal carcasses, I think, help to do that. And I'll and, and I, I tell you what, um, what was one thing that occurred to me was that when I was young, many years ago, there was about five butcher shops locally. And when I would walk up the high street, you would see whole pig carcasses and lamb, um, sheep, whatever, lamb carcasses 
in the window and chickens and all the rest of it. Mm. And you realised that they were the animal. These days, when children go to the supermarket, you don't see that. What you see are neatly wrapped packets of meat. And when they ask, what's that? You say, well, it's beef. We don't say it's part of a cow. We say it's beef. And if a child say, oh, where's that from? You say, it's from a cow. But then sounds like if you say that milk, milk is from a cow. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like a byproduct. So children, <laughs> it, it's, it's, and when we, and I say when we had the chicken, it wasn't until we had the, the head was cut off and the legs were cut off that the children went, oh yeah, now I recognise that as a chicken to eat. Mm. And it was interesting that is there a disconnect between the live animal and the dead and the, and the meat? Because I think children need to understand that death is final and that actually these animals have, have died so that we can live and have food and sustenance and have a bit more respect mm. for life. And and you, you sort of teach it um, through through looking after the animals as well. So Absolutely. In, in the garden, you've, you've got chickens. This was, yeah, this was one of those chickens, yeah. I think, wasn't it? That you, yeah. So it's... Um, so it's sort of teaching them the full spectrum of it, really. Yeah, absolutely. You know? yeah. They didn't see it get killed. No. We didn't. We didn't show them. You know, they didn't <clears> see <throat> the animals getting killed. But what they saw was the dead animal without its feathers. Um, and and part of that lesson was also to show um, about knowing what's in your food, mm-hmm. because when we made uh, we we made them into chicken goujons, or the children did it, um, and then we let them eat their chicken goujons, and we compare them to a budget um, supermarket brand. Mm-hmm. Um, and they liked their ones that they'd made better. Um, and when we said, well, you know, how much chicken is in the ones you've made? They said, oh, virtually 100% because, you know, a bit of breadcrumbs. Yeah. When we looked at the chicken nuggets from the cheaper brand from a supermarket, there was only 60% chicken. And the children were really surprised. They couldn't believe that there was so much less chicken in the supermarket. Nuggets. It's hard not to sort of start thinking what... What's the rest of it? Absolutely, and then, and yeah, absolutely. Then, yeah, yeah, then you have to confront that, don't you? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So it was, it was really interesting. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, the whole thing is around. Let's, let's, and my, and my philosophy on that is teaching knives early is, is about saying, well, the biggest killer of children is roads. But we don't say to children, you must never cross a road in your life until you're fourteen. We, we teach children how to cross roads safely, mm. and that's what we should be doing with knives. And then those skills, they're sort of foundational yeah. kitchen skills. I mean, Absolutely. you said they're, they're sort of reinforced every every time that they're in the kitchen throughout yeah. their, their school career. They're, Absolutely. They're sort of, they don't know that they're... Learning. No, no, absolutely. It's, it's like know, writing. It's just, we teach yeah. writing at a young age. But, you know, during writing lessons, we can teach writing. But during geography, when they're writing, we're not teaching the writing, but they're still using that writing within geography to communicate. Mm. And it's the same with our knife skills. We aren't teaching the knife skills necessarily in the lesson, mm. but they are using those knife skills because a skill is something you need to keep practicing in order to make it a skill. Um, yeah. I imagine... Um, <clears throat> It was sort of suddenly, suddenly my thought again, and I'm sure probably somebody listening, you might sort of think, well, you know, that this all sort of makes sense or you can picture it with younger children, with, you know, sort of with the kind of things that you're learning when you're sort of fairly early on in your school career. As you're getting towards the end of, of your time here, you know, I suppose what comes to mind is quite a kind of structured classroom environment where you're sat down and looking at the board and sort of um, taking on quite a lot of quite a volume of knowledge, you know, a sort of a, a information heavy sort of curriculum. And, um, 
but you know, you you've said to me sort of very much it, it stays all the way through. It stays yeah. the whole way through. How how do you how does it change? How do you keep the kitchen involved be, as it goes on? Well, there will be slightly more, um, you know, more knowledge based things going into the children, but a lot of that will be around those practical activities within the garden. Mm-hmm. It may be negotiating, like we talked about with the restaurant, um, looking at profit and loss, calculating um, how much the cost of certain uh, produce is. So they've they've grown the produce, but they've got to look at all the all the various costs towards that, so they can sell it to the restaurant. Um, so what we do is we up, and we've got a shop as well, which is open um, to parents. And there's a group of children that work on that, looking at uh, costings within that, and looking mm. at how much things are costing. So it's all about using the maths and, and applying it to a real life situation as much as possible, so that the children can start to understand how it applies to life. And you know, I'm sure you'd agree that you can learn a lot more about how to drive if you went into a car for half an hour than if you spent five hours in a classroom. And I think, you know, that's where we succeed is that actually we can teach a lot more through the practical means because children start to pick up on those other aspects um, Mm. that they would not have got if it had been done on the board or in a class. Deeds, not words. Absolutely. Deeds, not words. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you, you just mentioned the um, selling produce, and I just thought, you know, pr- probably, I, I think that's something that'd be really interesting to people as well. Maybe we could just sort of tell them a bit more about it. You you have a, there's a garden here on the school, and there's also a community garden off-site where the children go and produce food as well. And that is then sold internally through the shop to, to parents and what have you, and also you sell it to to a local restaurant. Yeah, yeah, we, we sell it to a local restaurant uh, that um, uh, have done some wonderful work with the children because um, mm. because we've we've got quite a, a good um, relationship with them, uh, and uh, so what they do is they is our year sixes, for example, as part of one of their English projects, it's writing a um, um, a report about restaurants. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a sort of critical um, what do they call I can't remember what they call them now but a, a re- you, like a review like a review yeah, yeah okay. like a restaurant review yeah. so they would go to um, Sticks and Sushi for example which is the restaurant that we live yeah. with and they would then have a meal with, with in the restaurant okay and they would then write the review mm. um, taking in uh, you know the environment it was about all those factors to consider service quality of food the environment um, you know these sort of customer relationships all that mm. sort of stuff um, and the children really enjoy doing that and we go to two restaurants so that they can do comparisons um, and then they also write one about our school restaurant as well so it's all about bringing those ideas that, that again it's about the food ethos but it's about bringing in those real skills that those children are going to need later on in life but, it, but applying it to real situations now so they can understand it better the other thing that these sticks and sushi do is that they make food with the children so they do cooking lessons there as well wow. so when they're looking at uh, certain um, different foods from around the world they they, they do a whole um, cooking thing with them and we've got one arranged with them soon to go down to there again um, but we do this quite a lot so in year two for example there's a local restaurant called the Everest Inn mm-hmm. um, that's Nepalese food and year two they do a comparison between Nepal and the UK um, and one of those obviously is food so they look at the UK food and then they go to the Everest Inn and they serve the they talk about the culture they do a presentation on the culture and Nepal itself and then they feed them Nepalese food 
um, and the children get a great deal of um, excitement out of that. And again, um, it's sort of immersive. And again, it's immersive. All the senses. Absolutely, all the senses and getting to understand it. So mm. that's a really, and they've just done that one actually, uh, or they're just doing it this week. It's, it's either soon or just happened um, because that's quite a uh, very quite popular a thing, one as yeah. well. It's, they're, they're both, when they go to restaurants, it's. Um, really a popular thing it's quite a kind of grown up thing to do that's, it is that's, absolutely yeah, that absolutely must really, yeah must and it. we went to Cabana during the um, Olympics because uh, obviously it was in Rio and uh, yeah. Cabana was serving Brazilian food so they talked about Brazil and, and the culture there and the food and they served the children food and they did lovely projects over there so you know engaging with those with the restaurants it helps to bring a taste of that country to mm. to London without us having to go out too far yeah yeah um one of the uh, we, we, we sort of talked about you know a few bits of it you've got some fantastic facilities here that you know that you've built up and developed over over time so that you can you can sort of deliver a lot of this this sort of teaching in this way you know really get a lot of children into this teaching classroom and and into the garden if you were sort of just starting out in another school that didn't have these sorts of facilities or you know for somebody mm. that was listening where where would you suggest that they start you know if they want to get their children engaged but they haven't yeah. got all, all the resources what, with a garden yeah with a garden either in the school or a local area uh, allotments you know um we we did at one time before we had the community garden up at woodlands farm we hired an allotment and right. you know that that was cheap and it was great for the children um but you know you find that a lot of times that there'll be parents or grandparents that have allotments um, it's just finding an area of land where they children can start cultivating and mm. growing food um, because then the interest starts and then from there moving on to the the cooking and because uh, yeah. I, I guess if they're if they're growing and they're learning that and then there's a sort of if there's a disconnect between what they're then mm. eating absolutely they, yeah. they, that's shines a light on it I guess yeah it does yeah, yeah absolutely um, and also you know there doesn't have to be outside they, they can grow inside as well so on a windowsill in the classroom, Mm. They could make an edible classroom, actually indoors, you know, and, and and grow tomatoes inside and pepper. Well, you can grow all sorts of things inside, yeah, um, and make it interesting for the, you know, even more interesting for the children within the class setting, mm. you know. We unfortunately we're running out of time, and there are, there's there's masses of stuff that I'd love to talk to you about, <laughs> but um, I think we will we will need to start wrapping it up, unfortunately. Um, so I thought I'd just ask you a couple of general questions. I tend okay. I tend to sort of, uh, yeah, just just sort of by way of drawing it to a close um i thought i'd ask you if you could pick up the phone and talk to your 20 year old self what would you say to him <laughs> <laughs> wow that's a really good question yeah. 20 year old self now i didn't go straight into teaching uh interestingly i was not academic uh, as a 20 year old um so if i could pick up a phone and talk to my 20 year old self I, I, I don't know. It's going to get more interesting. It's mm. Life's exciting. Um, yeah, I, I don't know, because I was a completely different person. Uh, yeah, I had different expectations of me. Everyone else had different expectations of me. I mm. was non-academic. As I said, I left in the what was then the fifth form, year 11 now. Mm. Uh, didn't do A-levels. Came out with one O-level um, and was regarded as, as non-academic and... If people from then could see me now, they would be blown away. And I think it's not the not the typical headmaster. No, mate. absolutely. No. Yeah. Um, so 
and they'd be amazed that I would be somebody who's considered as academic now. In fact, I'm mm. amazed that I'm somebody who's considered academic. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, life's going to get more interesting. Mm. Yeah. Just one more quick one. I think we've got yeah. a minute. Um, in, in the context of food, if I say success, who does that, who do you think of and why? Success? Yeah. In the, in the context of food, whatever you kind of take that to me. Well, I think Jamie Oliver's been very successful. He's he was really my my biggest influence. I think you know, well, he definitely was. He, when he came to Greenwich in two thousand and five, mm. I had only just been head teacher for a year, and I'd started the garden, but didn't know what I was going to do with it. I, it was just being used as some to show children this is where food was from, and I think he inspired me uh, greatly and said, look. Not to me, but to 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 the world. Mm. We need to get children switched on to their food. We need to get them knowing what they're eating, um, and they need to be eating more healthily. And that spoke to me volumes. Um, so much so, it's it's led me to where I am now. You know, in terms of the food ethos that um, I follow. So I think success. Yeah, Jamie Oliver. He's someone who's who's done brilliantly. Um, using using food and and showing how food is fun. It's important, incredibly important, um, and that he he goes, he keeps going on, and I think he, you know, he's a brilliant inspiration for for us all, um, and selling this, uh, you know, this 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 healthy food for children and for everybody, I think he's done brilliantly. Yeah, so yeah, excellent. All right, well we'll we'll leave it there. Thank you. Thank very, you very very much for your time today. It's been it's been fascinating, really fascinating to to see what you're doing here. Um, I'll put the the school's website in the Please, in yeah, the show yeah. notes so people can kind of have a look. And, oh, lovely! You know, yeah, have yeah. A look. Is, is there anything else you sort of recommend them to come to and visit? See? Come and visit. Come and visit the school, and uh, we can take them up to the community garden. Um, really? Yeah, and we've got other community gardens starting as we as we speak. Yeah, oh, I see. You said you were um, yeah. you're sort of. Uh, you've spoken to and kind of you know done inset days for teachers and sort of taking Absolutely. this model sort of more yeah. widely. So if if somebody's interested in oh, this, definitely, yeah, please, happy yeah. to talk, contact, and yeah, let's know. Brilliant. All right, well, I'll, I'll put all the contact in, and um, yeah, please do get in touch if you're interested. Thank you very thank much you. for listening. I hope you've enjoyed it, and Tim, thank you for your time. Thanks very much. Thank you.